right, welcome to In Your Corner with Core Physical Therapy. My name is Scott McKenzie, and this podcast is uniquely positioned. And what I mean by that, we bring the medical industry, the medical professionals to you, and we talk about better pain management. We talk about rehab after surgery. We talk about improved mobility. And we talk about preventative care. And you know what else? We talk about so much more on this particular podcast. Now, thank you for joining this podcast. So let's get on with the interview. All right, welcome to In Your Corner with Core of Physical Therapy. We've got a great panel right here, right now, if you're out on video. They are spectacular. We're going to be talking about fall safe injury prevention. And uh, before we get into that topic, I want you to go out to coreofphysicaltherapy.com. That should be the first place you go when you're saying, hey, Scott, why do I need to go out there? That is the first place because that has great information on anything that's associated with physical therapy, occupational therapy. Uh, Kinsey knows about that. She's on the panel. She knows it's good. That's corephysicaltherapy.com. All right, gents. I'm going to just sort of break it over to you. David Crane, give us a little background, a little 411 on who you are. So my name is uh, Dr. Crane. I'm a sports medicine doctor in St. Louis, Missouri, uh, primary care sports. And we've been doing regenerative medicine for almost 18 years now and have certainly seen the gamut of injuries uh, over the years. And what we noticed over the years, quite frankly, Scott, is that uh, there is a huge amount of injuries in our clinic that occur from falls. And uh, looking at the data, uh, we have done a great job in this country at uh, treating some of the fall risk factors like uh, rugs and homes and industrial sites, et cetera. Yep. But we do a horrible job at actually teaching people how to fall. So uh, my partner, Dennis, and I started looking at uh, how to train patients how to fall down without getting hurt is the most important part of that statement. And then how to get back off the ground again, because so many patients fall and can't get off the ground. It's the classic commercial statement of, we know what that is. And so we uh, really had to start training our patients uh, to prevent the vast amount of uh, spend and injuries that are occurring in the U.S. per year in this segment. And so uh, we've become sort of passionate about that. And we'll talk about that tonight. I'm sure that's part of this conversation. Uh, but I am, uh, again, sports medicine doc, and here we are. All right. And I'm sorry I didn't start off with Dr. David. I, I, I just went right into the, yeah, the, the salutation of David like I know you at a bar. Sorry. <laughs> Wait, we're not at a bar? <laughs> yes, it's a virtual bar. It's a digital bar. Yep. All right, Dennis, you're the next one on that seat. Give us a little background on who you are. Absolutely. Uh, my name is Dennis Moreland. I've been a martial arts practitioner for about the last 39 years. Um, I hold eight instructorships, one of those being in uh, judo, uh, where I've been teaching people how to fall for 30 years. Uh, in that time frame, we actually took some of that skill set and we developed what we have now in fall safe. Uh, in addition, uh, I'm actually in class for functional medicine and I work with Blue Hill uh, uh, Medical Group uh, in data collection. So see, when you started talking about fall safe, I, I really did think about judo. And then I thought about myself and it's not a pretty sight when I fall just FYI, that is just out there. Uh, I guarantee you, I, I lack the style Kinsey. 
411. Yeah, I I am Kinsey Schaus. I am at the O'Fallon, Missouri location, Cora Physical Therapy. I've been a physical therapist for about four, four and a half years now. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> that tapered off. David, you you just uh, you you just commanded the whole uh, thing. All right, yeah, uh, Doc. Well, yeah, go ahead. What? Do you know each other? No, I'm just saying hi. <laughs> we're at, All right, at a bar. <laughs> yeah, we're at a bar right there. You know, <laughs> as as such, I'll pass it on over to Doctor Rick. They're all warmed up, Doctor Rick. It take it away. Hey everybody. Hey, first of all, thank you for uh, coming and showing all of uh, the knowledge that we're going to show tonight. I think this is a very, very important topic uh, to the point of looking at some of the numbers, 23,000 people uh, over the age of 65 died in 2011 with 2.4 million people treated in emergency rooms for falls. So this is a crazy number. We're talking about a significant issue. And I think as sports doctors, we, we probably underplay that a little bit. Most of my patients are probably from the ages of 15, 16 to 25 so falling really isn't a big deal. But if you look at the metrics, the metrics are pretty terrible. So starting it out, uh, Dr. Crane, let's start with the bang and tell us why people fall. What, what, what happens? What, why do you fall in the first place? Well, I mean, it's, it's sort of uh, two segments of the medical space that really get into this. And there is the elderly population where uh, over 65, slips, trips, and falls are the highest cause mortality death. So that means death, people dying from slips, trips, and falls. So over 65, that's the highest risk of death occurs from a fall. And I and you've probably seen him, Dr. Lane, as well. Like our patients come in, they, I don't know how many patients fall over their small dog, um, but it's a huge flipping amount of patients small fall over their small dogs. And it's like epidemic. And I, I, I'm not even kidding, sort of. Yeah, there was that article that USA Today put out specifically on older people falling over the small dog. It's a huge problem. And if you look at the Medicare spend on slips, trips, and falls per year in the United States, we're talking B billions. That's $600 billion. $600 billion spent in the United States alone, slips, trips, and falls on Medicare dollars. So that's over 65 we want to offload some of the medical costs in the U.S., we got to get to offloading some of the slip, trip, and fall injuries. So out of those deaths that happened, um, if you look at the numbers of patients who actually have to take time off work and the time lost and the actual spend on injuries, it, the, the number actually far exceeds that. Again, Dennis knows these numbers. Up to about $1.6 trillion a year we spend as a country on slips, trips, and falls. It is astronomical in that market space. And then you go to the younger market space and that younger market space, you talk about those 18 to 25 and that's the market space where they're at the bar and they say, what do they say, Dennis? Hold my beer. Watch hold, me hey, do this. hey, hold my beer. Watch me do this. And those young patients are actually more likely, especially males, as you would guess, to go into behaviors that are risky and are thrill seeking and they end up with injury rates that drive them out of work. And their loss of, of um, work uh, hours is actually remarkably high, um, up to three weeks, if I'm not mistaken. 11 days on average. That's not quite three weeks. but yep. Yep. On average, we get a lot higher ones than that, though. So um, there's two kind of subsets of injuries here that are happening. One is based on 
sort of um, thrill-seeking behaviors in males, mostly. And then the other is on the vast majority on the age over 65. And certainly we all know those, those hip fractures are incredibly common. Um, and that's sort of the market that we looked at. And there's only one country in the world that's kind of taken a lead on this. Um, certainly in the U.S., we've taken good steps in doing vestibular training. And I'm sure on the physical therapy, occupational therapy side, we can look at some of those numbers on how good we are at training patients and how to get some of their balance stuff back and get their spatial awareness back, get some the lower extremity strength back. But quite honestly, that doesn't really change the injury pattern and driving patients out of their homes. That's why most people enter nursing homes. It's why most people get uh, lose their independence in their homes. And again, these are some of the market numbers that are just astronomically huge. And unfortunately, it just keeps going up and up and up. In fact, uh, falls from 2007 through 2019 have risen 31%. Yeah, so again, 12 years. Go ahead. In 12 years, it's risen 31%. And that number is that number is very similar to all the uh, chronic inflammation stuff that we see in our world, arthritis, and certainly, you know, um, Dr. Lehman and I see a lot of arthritis in the space. And, and a lot of that arthritis is also, you know, somewhat uh, at least relational to the cause of falls. And, uh, but it's not the only factor in the falls, um, in the falls risk category. So besides, besides small dogs and arthritis, um, what, are, what are some other components of why people fall? Do people fall? You mentioned vestibular issues. Are, are they dizzy? Uh, do they trip over objects in their house? Is it the rug? Is, are they confused? What, what, why do they fall and what can we fix in terms of why they fall? You know what? I'm going to go ahead and address this one. Uh, a lot of it, again, has to do with the vestibular and it has the lower, lower extremities, uh, just losing strength overall. The problem, as we see it, isn't how do we fix that in regards of going in, yes, we're doing a great job, physical therapists, occupational therapists, trainers are doing a great job. OSHA has stepped into the workplace and done a great job of setting up rules in place for people not to fall. And if you look at the trends, from 1970, just with OSHA, you'll see that it's, it's actually petered out. Now it's starting to rise again. It's not a question of if somebody is going to fall, including everybody right now in this panel. The question is, do you know how to fall? And therein lies the difference because there's not much more that we can do as a medical, um, from a medical community to be able to step in and teach people, um, what they need to do, you know, with regards to like lower extremity strength. We've been telling people that for years, right? So instead, we need to focus on what actually occurs during a fall, what to do in that fall so that you're not injured, and then again, how to get back up again. Yeah, so, I mean, so I, I, I ran into this in my own family, and my, you know, my father has some uh, stenosis issues, spine stenosis issues, and, you know, my mom loves throw rugs. Like, it's like going into the house and trying to get my mom to remove throw rugs is about like pulling her fingernails out. Sorry, mom. Hopefully you're not listening to this podcast. But um, I think the throw rugs are a big issue, but that's not really, really, quite frankly, we're all going to fall. And if you've, if you um, have you ever read some of the references, uh, Atoll Gawan has a great book out called Being Mortal. He's a surgeon who wrote a book. And really when patients start to fall at that age, that's really that sort of time in life that we all are going to enter, quite frankly. 
And uh, certainly baby boomer population is entering that phase faster than a lot of the other generations right now. And um, you're going to fall. It's going to happen. And we have trained patients well on how to keep their balance and maintain their strength, but we never, ever have taught anybody how to fall down. So, you know, so can, you, can you explain the process? Um, how, what is the fall safe process and kind of explain it to us, you guys? Yeah, sure. So the actual process is, first and foremost, we do work on some balancing exercises and some strengthening exercises uh, for those people who aren't currently going to somebody. That's not something we specialize in. Um, well, I, let me back that up. I apologize. The first thing we do is we do two medically validated tests to see if somebody is at a heightened risk of fall. That's your functional reach test, uh, as well as your time get up and go test. So that's the very first thing we do. The second thing is we work on some balancing and strengthening exercises that they can do at home. Uh, we use half rolls. We use uh, a different exercise of getting in out of the chair. The, but the most, the most important part, the part that everybody's missing, is active fall training. So we tell you what to do when you are falling, and then we practice that. So the one thing I, over the last you know, 25 plus years of teaching people how to fall, I came up with a very uh, simple way to start from literally a seated position. And then if you were young enough, and able enough, I could bring you all the way up to a standing position, then to the point where, you know, I'm throwing you at 65, 60 miles an hour, you're hitting the ground and doing it again 80 times a night. So we took those same skills and we said, okay, and, and Doc and I worked on this forever. And we said, okay, how do we do it from a seated position only? How do we do it just from standing on a wall? And then the furthest that you'll ever actually fall is a couple inches off the wall or a seated position if they're healthy enough. You never physically fall. And what we've seen is, and then finally, we teach people how to get back up because God forbid you fall and you break your arm. Do you know how to get back up just using one arm? And what we quickly figured out, especially working with some of the functional uh, movement guys, is people have forgotten even how to crawl, let alone how to get up correctly. And then, you know, again, you fall and you twist your ankle or you, or you, you tear your MCL. How, how do you get up? So those are some of the things that we work with people on, you know, and here's a good one. There's, a, there's a lot of people that fall and then they're not injured. They try to get up too fast. They fall and they hurt themselves. So, and, just and so what, little, type of, what type of people should, should go through this training? I mean, give us a cohort of people that should go through this training. Everybody so over 65 my, or. <laughs> Honestly, my dream is that every single person in the United States works out of fall. Yeah. Let me give an example. Okay, this is just my family. My daughter, seven years ago, fell and knocked out her two permanent front teeth that came out like this. $90,000 later, she gets fixed next week, finally. Okay, my wife has fallen and, and shattered her wrist. She had to have the plate put in. Another time she fell, she broke her clavicle. She can't lift her arm any higher than this. Her mother fell, broke her clavicle. Another time she fell, hit her head, and they're saying that's early onset dementia came from that fall. And then finally, her mother felt perfectly mental health, had a walker, three-year-old walked out in front of her, didn't want to fall on a kid, fell sideways, broke her head, died in five months. So when we say who should fall, I mean, or who should take it, it's everybody. It, I think it should be taught in schools. Uh, you know, there's everybody here knows Albert Pujols, right? Remember Albert Pujols, when he was here, he fell backwards and he reached out and he broke his wrist. 
So even somebody in their peak performance needs to learn how to fall. That's awesome. And so, so what are the challenges you guys have, have faced trying to teach people to fall? I mean, what has there been resistance or kind of what, what, yeah. where's the problem? If everyone should learn it, why, why isn't everybody learning it? This is a huge, huge problem. This is what really took us two years and a lot of, uh, you know, struggling to figure out from patients. And what we found is that people are scared of falling down. So if I asked everybody on this panel, who wants to stand up right now and fall to the floor and feel like they're safe doing it? How, yeah, Dennis is the only guy <laughs> in this room who's going to be willing or like, hey, I feel totally comfortable getting up and falling down. And what we found is, and we're probably going to change the name, quite frankly, from fall safe to safe landing because the fall in the name is such a um, instinctual turnoff. So um, as Dennis has taught me over the years, there was only two fears that we're born with that stay through the, all of your life and never extinguish ever. One is false and the other is loud noises. So you can work with all the other fears on the planet and all the other fears of snakes and fears of heights and fears of whatever, but you're never going to extinguish the risk or the fear of falls and loud noises. And when we tell patients that we're going to teach them how to fall, the instant we say that word fall, it's a turnoff. They say, well, that sounds great for my mother-in-law or my dad or my grandma or somebody else. And that sounds awesome. It sounds like you guys are doing a great job. Thumbs up. But it's not for me. I don't need to do that stuff. I literally had a guy last week that was in the clinic, um, and he had fallen and hurt his shoulder. Okay? He was over the age of 65. And I explained to him, he goes, man, that's brilliant. Everybody should learn that. And I said, okay, well, I, we need to sign you up for the class, and here are the times. And he goes, oh, not for me. He goes, I know how to fall. I go, you're literally here because you <laughs> fell. Okay? But he knows how to do it. Or you know, my favorite one is I'll just roll out of it. No, no, that's how you die. <laughs> unless you are unless you are truly trained. I mean, at a high level, the last thing you want to do is roll out of a fall. You're actually putting your head in danger by doing so. So it's just it's little things like that. Yeah, and there's really three levels here. It's, it's it's a different training for the 18 to 25 or the performance athlete or the above 65. And what we found is that we have to get people down in a sitting position or on the floor. The second thing that's the biggest problem, and again, this is a medical panel and we talk about sensitive things here, but women more than men don't want to get on the ground because they have urinary stress incontinence in 60% of women uh, who have had, um, part, like if they've had children, a lot of those women have stress urinary incontinence. And if they get on the floor, they're embarrassed because they're going to, they know they're going to have some stress incontinence. And I think, um, people feel really uncomfortable after the age of whatever it is getting on the floor and feeling like you're rolling around and having a hard time getting up. And they feel that, that uh, um, I think it just feels um, demeaning or like they feel uh, whatever. And I think they feel uncomfortable with that. And we really, really have a hard time with those two things are the biggest, biggest problems we've had. Fear of falling, and the fear factor of getting on the ground and looking like they're struggling to get up or they have urinary stress and come. And that has been by far and away the two biggest problems that, that make people not want to come. And I, and you know, and it'd be interesting on the panel to see what you guys feel your patients say when they come in, if they're doing balance therapy or other things, are they willing to get on the floor and actually engage and want to learn how to crawl again 
and learn how to get up off the floor again using their hands and knees. Because most of the patients say they can crawl and we put them on the ground and they can't. They literally end up falling on their face. They really can't. And it's, so, it's so what is the process? So tell us, are there classes or how does one, somebody listen to the podcast or they have a patient that they feel would be a good candidate, kind of tell us about the process. Okay, so we have uh, two main ways to do it. Uh, first is in-person classes. You're always going to get more from an in-person class, period. So especially if you're in the St. Louis area, uh, then that's something that we have classes. We have four 45-minute classes. You come in once a week for 45 minutes, and then you come back at three months to six months. So what we found is just like anything that you're learning physically, you need to come back for that retention training as you go along. Uh, we also do online classes, and we can get a lot done uh, in basically a Zoom call, much like what we're doing right, right now. Uh, I think the whole world in the last couple of years has learned how to use you know, the, the online, which we couldn't have done four or five years ago with 70-year-old people in general. Um, and then lastly, we have a video series that we're actually uh, putting together as well. Contacting, so, simple. Go right to fall3.com. Uh, you can go directly there and reach, and reach myself and... Well, we can train people nationwide that way. Yeah, and for the clinical groups in the room, I mean, we can do group health visits. They're, you know, in the medical space these days, we, as long as we are meeting the Medicare requirements for having a clinician visiting those patients, doing the, the work we have to do, we can do, we typically do these in group medical classes or group in group classes format. Again, where everybody feels safe. I mean, it's a safe space and people, we try to script ahead of time if they need a, a depends or some protective garment because of the stress incontinence, let's handle that up front. Let's get rid of that fear up front. We have to handle that fear up front of you're not actually going to fall. You know, we're going to do this from the ground, from a seated position where you're never going to fall more than, you know, a few inches off the wall, et cetera, et cetera. So I think uh, we have to make sure that we, we help those patients feel comfortable. It's always helpful to do them in a group class because everybody feels like they're the oddball out and they're struggling and it's not. I mean, we tested all of our, we now test all of our patients coming through our clinic. And I will tell you that at least 85% or greater of my patients fail the fall screen. And that's, that runs the gamut from whether they're, they're 20 or they're 90. And it's really, really scary how many patients are failing the fall screen that I would quite frankly, you know, five years ago, not have picked up. Because again, this, this is a space that is only getting bigger. It is a huge drain on the medical market spending in the U.S. And we either have to address it or we're never going to get control of the healthcare spend in the United States. It's just never going to happen. And that's, you know, something that you had said earlier, the numbers for 2019 and falling uh, is closer to 40,000 die a year now, 30,000 over the age of 65, 8 million ER visits, and an average of 22,000 visits a day just for slip strips and falls. So, Kenzie, give us a little short course in your balance training, um, balance biomechanics, uh, single leg stand, et cetera. So, so how are we, how are we going to teach somebody who's 60 years old, 65, 75 years old about central core balance, um, stress generation, et cetera? Yeah, I think in the beginning, you try to nail down where the balance issues are coming from. So it could be, um, just the natural decline in balance as you age. It could be leg weakness. It could be core weakness. It could be, um, like we mentioned earlier, it could be a vestibular system problem. So I think the first 
big thing we do in physical therapy is kind of try to nail down what the big factor in why they are falling. Um, what's causing the fall? Is it truly rugs and small dogs? Is it, are you feeling dizzy? Is it your legs are giving out? So in the beginning, we give a bunch of tests. We test their strength. We test their vestibular system. We ask them, you know, we don't do a big medication review, but we do, if they're on a lot of medications, it might be something we go back to the doctor and say, are there side effects from this medication that's causing dizziness or drop in blood pressure? So we try to nail down why they're falling, what's causing them to fall, lose their balance. And then we work on, work on whatever it is that issue is there's certain vestibular training that we can do. Um, there's certain um, balance tests and functional things we can do. I think all of the strengthening on the balance tests, you could, you know, I could put them next to the table and have them stand on one leg for 30 seconds, three times, or I can have them do, you know, some table strengthening, but it's not the most helpful. I think the best thing we can do in therapy is to make it as functional as possible. So get out an obstacle course and try to emulate how their house is. If they do have small dogs or if they do have throw rugs, put a little hurdle up, put a bigger hurdle up, put, you know, obstacles around and make them walk around it. Um, have them go upstairs, have them do as many functional things as possible. Cause I think like they, like Dr. Crane and Dennis were saying, they don't, a lot of patients don't like to admit that they are falling. A lot of times you're treating a knee injury and then they'll say, Oh, by the way, I, my balance is terrible. And they kind of mention it on the side. Like they don't really want to admit it, but they're kind of hoping you can help them with it. Um, I think a big thing is they don't like the gate belt either. It kind of makes them feel like they're more injured than what they are. Or they're more debilitated than what they are. So trying to make them feel comfortable with it and get them to realize why it's important that we're doing it and how it's a problem with a lot of other people and not just them, but trying to get it to be as functional as possible so they can kind of buy into why they're doing it. And I think working on balance and lower extremity strength can be a frustrating thing because if, they, if they're balancing and they're constantly losing their balance, they get frustrated and they don't want to come into therapy and constantly lose their balance and constantly fall. So finding a balance of challenging them, but also giving them success and not making them lose their balance constantly, I think is a big thing. So let me ask a question to all three of you guys. Is, is the assistive, assistive devices, i.e. canes, uh, a crutch, et cetera, uh, do they have any role in avoiding falling or is that really not a factor? I think on the therapy side, I think if they do use an assistive device, um, picking the right one, making sure it's the right one. Some people are on walkers that don't, that can probably use a cane or um, some people are on a cane that they've been on for 10 years. And if you show them they don't need it, then they're like, oh, you're the best ever because I don't need to use this cane anymore. I think in therapy, I size them a lot too, because they're using canes and walkers that are too tall or too small, which is causing a lot of postural stuff that might be the reason that they're losing balance is their cane or their walker doesn't fit right. So I think that plays a role in it. Dr. Creed, go ahead. Uh, something else I wanted to point out is when people are using assisted items like that, they need to know what to do with those items if they are falling. It's crazy as that sounds. I look at my own, uh, my mother's, or sorry, my, my wife's grandmother. The reason she felt that she broke her hip is because she landed on a walker. Because you didn't realize if you have crutches and you're falling, don't fight it to the point you're going to make it worse. Get those items away from you so you're not landing on them. Yeah, I think that's my thing, too. You have to reassess um, the need for those assistive aids. I think that 
some of those enable some of the muscle loss that happens as we age. That's called sarcopenia. So I think that sarcopenia happens naturally. Everybody's going to hit it. And we're all going to need some of those assistive aids, but it still doesn't take care of the actual need to learn how to fall down and get back up. Because I mean, again, I ran into this my own family. You can have all the assistive aids in the world. If you fall on the floor, um, that cane is not going to help you very much to get off the floor again. Maybe the walker can, um, but most patients have never trained with their walker how to get off the floor or with their cane how to get off the floor. We teach them on the prevention side while they're up, but the downside is always on the floor until somebody comes and helps. And, uh, you know, I have a very stubborn uh, my, uh, farmer dad, and he asked my mom to go get this, you know, the, the four by four trekker and pull him up off the, off the garage floor, you know, with a belt tied to him, for God's sake. He was, my mom uh, luckily is smart enough to go, no, I think we'll go get some neighbors and help out. And, um, you know, it's just like once they're on the floor, those assistive aids aren't to help anymore. And I think that, again, brings back, you know, reassess the need for the assistive aids. Use them if you need them. Don't use them if you don't need them. There's a lot of patients who have a high amount of fatigability. I know, Dr. Lehman, you and I see patients with stenosis and a lot of things where they do great if they're walking 10 or 20 feet. But once they get beyond that 10 or 20 feet, their muscles are going to start to get fatigued and they're going to wear out. And I think that's the hardest thing that we have to treat in the medical side is we can treat a lot of their pain and things on the short the short duration walks, we have a really hard treating those things when they get out to longer duration fatigability. And I think that's a, I think that's an issue that's been missed for a long time as well. That's awesome. So a quick question, if you've fallen once, does that increase your chances of falling again? Or is that a one-off? Tell us about that a little bit. In fact, when you look at the, uh, the fall risk assessment test, the number one defining factor of if you were going to fall in the future is have you fallen in the past, right? So they want to know within three months, six months, 12 months, have you fallen? That is the number one question to ask. And a lot of that has to do with when you've fallen, now you're afraid to fall again, especially if they're injured. So what they end up doing is they're going slower. They start shuffling their feet. They're looking down. They're doing everything they shouldn't do. They're not moving as much. So they're getting uh, weaker in their legs. Uh, and so they're doing everything they should not do to keep from falling, to keep from falling in their own eyes. So it goes back to that fear statement. You know, falling is fearful, extremely fearful. It's one of our biggest fears that we're born with. It never goes away. If you start falling, they become more fearful. It's, they start to do that shuffling gait. They lean their head forward. They, it pushes their center of gravity forward. And that's, a, it, that's why people end up on walkers and other things, because their family looks at them and says, oh, my gosh, you know, my family is my family member stooped over. They have to have a shopping cart when they're shopping. They have to have whatever aid. And all of a sudden, the, the patient ends up on a walker and actually doing some of the things that we just talked about, going back and looking at butt strength, their gluteal strength and walking ability and their, you know, quad strength, all the things that the physical therapist here, we rely on to work on those things. That's not that's not false safe job. False safe job is just purely there to really train people, the actual fall mechanics and the how to get off the floor mechanics. And I think in the, unless we start addressing that, we're never, ever going to get to the actual end of this um end of this spend road or, or just injury road just quality of life quality of life it really is so so if somebody wants to reach out do you guys have a website or what, what's the best way to get a hold of you dennis to sign up for the class or to get the videos or to find you guys online give us give us your 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 uh 
your address and, and all the people out there. Cause I see a lot of patients. First of all, to me, it sounds like a good thing to do regardless. You know, it's sort of like defensive driving or something, you know, it just, even if you're never going to fall, it's not, not a bad idea to learn how to fall. So that's the first thing. And then, you know, clearly I think as you get older and your chances of having an event are, are greater because that's just the numbers, you know, as you guys said, why wouldn't everybody at 55 learn how to fall or 50 or whatever age, just, just as part of, I mean, if you're out there taking your, uh, you know, your, your true fusion class, you might as well go ahead and learn to fall while you're doing it. So uh, give it, give us how people can get a hold of you and how, how they can sign up and, and, and kind of all three realms, the podcast realm or the video realm, the internet realm and, and in person. And it sounds like we should probably push these people to do, the classes in person if possible. Absolutely. Or, or Zoom call. Uh, the best way to get a hold of us is to go directly to our website. It's uh, www.fall3.com. Okay. So again, fall3.com. That is by far the easiest way to get a hold of us. Great. And in terms of um, other factors, is there anything someone should do before they come visit you guys? Should they check their medications? Should they, you know, foster, give away all their dogs to a foster family or should they get rid of all their rugs or, you know, yeah. make sure yeah. nothing's leaking on their floor? Is there things people can do in their home to be a little bit, put rails in the bathroom? What, 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 what do people need to do or is there anything to do? Is it really just learning how to fall in the first place? As Dr. Crane said, you're going to fall. So just, just learn to fall. That's a, that's a great question. And I think there's a lot of stuff that you can address, but you're never going to catch them all. I do. I agree with the rugs thing. I mean, obviously no, these, a lot of elderly patients who have, live by themselves, they're living, you know, independent lives and they love their dogs. They're not going to get rid of their dogs. That's their family. Right. And um, so I think that there should be a more open conversation with Hopefully they have family that can at least help them recognize, hey, you're getting more unstable. Let's get you an evaluation by a physical therapist. That's an easy way to start. That's a lot less threatening than sending patients into us. It's an easier way for them to access their physician or to access the physical therapist. And the physical therapist or physician says, all right, we're starting to notice that you're having some falls, you know, falls going on. We know that this is going to happen. This, this is, you know, wisdom and life occurs as in stages. This is a stage that we're going to end up in from here on forward. And we should sort of address those by training you actually how to fall and get off the floor. That will keep your independence at home. You won't end up in a nursing home as easy. You won't lose your, you know, there's all kinds of things. You won't break your hip, blah, blah, blah. And I think those things are, are really important to talk to our families about as, as we've started to do, even in our own families, as I mean, it's, as you start to look for these situations and you, and your ears open up just because of the awareness, you'll hear more and more and more of these patients uh, coming out, telling you about the falls or about their relations that have fallen. And it really is astronomical when you really start paying attention to it. So I think all the things that you mentioned are important, but I think the real, I think the real thing comes from the family members. The family members are really where the access lies. They, if they can refer them to their physical therapist, or to Cora, or to their physicians, 
great. If they want to refer them to us and start our process, the screens that we do, if it shows up that we need to send them to physical therapy, we're going to send them to physical therapy. And same thing with their physician. If it shows up that there's a medical issue that's going on that needs to be addressed, whether that's hip arthritis, knee arthritis, spinal stenosis, whatever those things are, we need to have that portion evaluated. But it doesn't negate the need to actually train them on the fall mechanics. That's awesome. So, Kinsey, what do we forget? Is there anything you want to add that uh, we didn't discuss? No, I think we've hit a lot of it. I think um, I think the main thing, like they said, independence is a big thing. If you can kind of show them that the learning how to fall is going to keep their independence, it hopefully will take away the fear of doing the class and actually falling. It'll give them confidence that even if they fall at home, they're going to be able to get up. And I think if we can educate them in that way, it will probably be more successful at getting people to do the program. Kind of at the clinic, I think if I can connect them to why it's important, they're going to do it. So I think that's a big thing that we can all probably do a better job of is, is educating them on, on why we're teaching them how to fall, why we're doing balance other than it's just another exercise that we, we want them to do. Thank you. And Dennis and Dr. Crane, give us your final thoughts. What do we forget? I think for me, the biggest thing that I think I forgot was that, you know, instinctually humans are great at, at movement, right? We're great at doing things that are protective for the human to stay alive. The, the one thing that we're not good instinctually at is falling because we want to put our arm out and we break our wrist or we want to turn our hip from turn our hip sideways because we want to avoid falling forwards. Everybody thinks if you fall forwards on your face that you're going to get hurt and they turn sideways and men especially break their hips that way. And, and the, the, de the mortality rate, death rate from breaking the hips is, as you know, very high in, in the next two years. So the best way to fall is forward. And all the things that you think instinctually they're going to save you from a fall are actually dangerous, to be quite honest. And uh, so that's one, it's one of the few times that I, as a doctor, look at mechanics in the human and say, wow, we got that wrong. Like some, for some reason, instinctually, it just didn't work. Yep. And I find that super curious. Um, but obviously the fear of falling is you put your hands out. It's what we do. And that's how Albert Pujols injured his arm. Or this guy. Yeah. So it'll give you a good example of that is, uh, I should probably let him tell it, but I want to embarrass him. Uh, he, did, <laughs> he was up on his boat. And I always say the first thing you want to do, don't fight a fall. That's how you end up getting injured. So and he tried to fight the fall and he did everything and ended up tearing. That being said, I did fall and land safely on the downhill side where I, I fell five feet, landed on my shoulder, landed on my hip, did a good break fall. The one that was uphill got hurt. So I'd rather have a torn rotator cuff, quite frankly, than break my neck or break my hip. And we say that all the time. We are, we are here to try to mitigate or negate, right? So if I can protect your head, protect your hip, protect your knees, we can deal with lacerations. We can deal with even a torn rotator cuff, right? We can deal with that. You hit your head, with, you end up with a TBI, not much I can do with that, right? right. So I go back to uh, this one of my favorite sayings is Oprah said it. You know, if you know better, you do better. It's that simple. And when people know they're doing better, then they're going to become more confident. They're not going to walk in that shuffle gate. They're not going to fall as often because they're not afraid of falling. But they're still going to fall. There's honestly. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, listen, thank you very much. I'm going to kick it back to Scott here for a second. Yeah. Scott, do you have anything to add or any questions? It's a I great do. I'm topic. And, you know, it sounds like it's something we all need to do. It doesn't matter how old you are. Uh, you know, it sounds like a, a learned skill that we should all 
be a part of. Yeah, it seems like a no-brainer. I have a question about insurance. Uh, it would seem, given the cost of all of this, right, that uh, insurance would be very interested in sort of that uh, ability to be able to sort of mitigate these because the cost is a cost, and that that it's hitting somebody, right? Why aren't insurance and let's say uh, employers saying, "Hey, this is a must. Let's let's start at age fifty, what, whatever the whatever it is." Why aren't they doing that? You know, it's it's funny because I'll go back to the workplace. I'll let him deal with the insurance because he knows better than I do. But if you have a employers try to cut to the bottom dollar as much as possible as possible. And even when they look at the numbers, if you have a 10% profit margin, you have to sell $1.6 million of a product or a service to make up for one average slip, trip, or fall for an employee in your workplace. Right. 1.6. So that is just crazy. Every workplace out there should be teaching the people how to do it. And we gladly will come in and teach them all. I will say that in the in the healthcare space, for example, in nurses, the nurses have a six-fold increased risk of fall in the workspace in the hospital. You know, they they have they're around they're around wet spaces a lot. They have patients who are pulling them down, and yet we've only trained one hospital locally in their ER nursing staff, and they loved it because it it helped it it gave them some agency over knowing how to fall if a patient's going to pull, pull them down. I can actually fall and most likely not get hurt. And so I think that the big thing, Scott, is that there is one country around the world that did it. They, uh, it is Denmark. Denmark did it. They started training all their people over 55. And I think that we as a country, that this is such a fear. And, I, and I'm not sure about this. This is, a, this is a guess. But I think it's such an ingrained fear in the human. And it, we've never had an answer for it that, quite frankly, nobody ever looked at. Like nobody ever, everybody looked at how to train balance and things. And it's such a put off for patients who come in, whether it's in physical therapy, whether it's on our space, whether it's in our clinic space, patients don't want to fall down. And whenever we bring it up, we found this over the last two years, it turns their brain off. And that's whether that's an employer or whether it's a patient. So what I would like to see eventually is an insurance company saying, look, we'll give you a discount on your insurance. But that's, you where it's, that's where it has to happen. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and I mean, it makes sense. I mean, do a better job at marketing to figure out why this is not resonating or why there's a fear. Address that fear and be able to, uh, you know, I mean, this, now all of a sudden you, you put in my basket of things to do. Now I got to go figure out how to fall. Normally, I, <laughs> normally I just cuss. But now that I now that I've listened to you guys, I'm going to have to figure out to create a bubble suit so I don't uh, fall in some way to hoist me back up. Kinsey, uh, how do they get a hold of you if they want to get a hold of you? Core Physical Therapy. How do they get a hold of you? Um, so on the website corephysicaltherapy.com, it's going to have a list of all of our locations. Um, we have seven locations in St. Louis, um, so it has emails, numbers, kind of the clinic numbers to get a hold of everyone. We do. Um, free injury screens. Um, if someone's thinking, oh, I might need to go to a doctor, maybe I have a balance problem, maybe I need to learn how to fall, they can come in and we do a quick 10, 15 minute injury screen and we kind of direct them to where they should go. So that's been helpful too for people. Very good. All right. And then we, we figured out that fall3.com is a great way to get a hold of you too, right? That's Dr. David Crane and also uh, Dennis, correct? Correct. 
All right. Well, see, we're all. You guys were wonderful. Thank you very much for being on In Your Corner with Core Physical Therapy. One last plug for corephysicaltherapy.com. Go out there. That is your one-stop uh, shop to find out all things that are PT, OT, and anything else that uh, deals with your health. How about that? That was pretty good. That was smooth. <laughs> all right. Thank you. And thank you very much for joining Cora Physical Therapy.